0: This episode is brought to you by Charles Schwab. Decisions made in Washington can affect your portfolio every day. Washington Wise from Charles Schwab is an original podcast that unpacks the stories making news there. Listen at schwab.com slash Washington Wise. Coming up on the Money Beat Podcast, you still have a couple of days left to get your holiday presents. And what is a better present than a book? And what is a better time than for us to start the Money Beat Podcast Book Club Roundtable?
1: This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser.
0: Welcome to the Money Beat podcast. Here we are as the day's day click off the calendar coming ever closer to christmas to the the, the big holiday it's the big sales season we're getting down to the wire and and you know usually on this on this podcast we talk about the markets and the economy and things like that but you know what we wanted to do something a little different today i'm not sure we is the correct phrase yeah we'll we'll get to that only one of us we'll get to that uh, <laughs> so let me tell you at the top what we're doing this is the uh, the inaugural money beat podcast book club meeting Uh, And let me tell you who is here, because this is a full... Everybody wanted a piece of this action. This is a hot one. So today we have Ben Eisen wearing his Dow 20,000 hat again. Hello, everyone. And and I put mine on, too. I was inspired by Ben. It's a very comfortable hat. Uh, Spencer Jacob. Spencer Jacob is here. Aaron Kurloff. Hi. Steven Grosser, of course, you know. And calling in on his vacation, and unless his, his wife is listening, if his wife is listening, we recorded this last week. Uh, if you're not <laughs> listening, Jason's calling in on his vacation. Jason's why calling in, Jason, how are you?
2: I am good, and my Dow 20,000 hat is down the hallway. Uh,
0: excellent, excellent. And, you know, I, one reason I'm sort of excited about this is th- th- this is going to be interesting, folks, because three of the people on this podcast are actually published authors. Uh, Jason Spencer and myself. So and this their, is uh, and their books are my choices for the top financial <laughs> and, books. Right. You should and, read this year. And, and I'm honestly not saying that to like to plug our books. We're not going to talk about our books. Although Jim, one of Jason's might, might creep in here. But just I, I think that's kind of interesting. Authors on authors, you know. So anyhow, I would um, point out that a company does pay you guys to write every day. Yes, and you too. <laughs> well, I no, I get to read your stuff. So uh, the, the how did this. Book club, and I think this is a great idea, Ben Eisen. I have been behind this one hundred percent the entire time. I want everyone to know that. But why don't you explain to us a little bit about how the book club came about?
1: Well, this is an idea that has been in the making for literally six months. So <laughs> it has it has finally come to fruition. So this is uh, this came about. This actually started with Spencer. Who uh he actually lent me a book called Reminiscences of a Stock Operator, which is a very old Ooh, book. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh so and that was that was back at the beginning of the summer. Um, and then a week later Aaron Kurloff actually lent me another book. Uh uh, called where are the where are all the customers yachts I think I got where that right. are the customers yachts where, where are the where are the customers yachts so this was within a week of each other both of you guys lent me two books and these are these are our finance books and it was the middle of the summer and I was like oh my god I got all these finance books to read uh, uh, I thought I was being kind of hazed here um, <laughs> off for these books <laughs> but I ended up reading both of them and they're both really good books and they're they interesting because even though they are both very old these are not new holidays season Books or anything, they were. Uh, they both seemed to have a lot of lessons for our current day, and sort of, uh, you know, kind of hammer home some of the circularity of, of finance and 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 the markets and Wall Street and all of that. So it seemed like a good occasion to sort of uh, initiate this this book club idea here and and start discussing some of these books. And. and- Grocer and I were so on board from the start, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. They were pushing so hard against all obstacles to, uh, <laughs> to make sure to get this, get this happened. Done. So, uh, so finally, after after six short months- uh, Because, we, uh, I mean,
3: honestly, I really <laughs> could think of nothing our <laughs> listeners would want but to listen to
4: Paul, Ben, and I talk about books that we <laughs> right. had. From 1920. From <laughs> 1920. Uh,
0: yeah. It's, it's, you know, listen, I, I, I was on board. I think it was a great idea. And this is going to be a really fun podcast, everybody. We're very- Paul, I, can we it? count the number of lies, <laughs> <laughs> uh in, Including the one that I told to Jason's wife's wife? <laughs> uh, too many. I should run for office. I'm getting there. Uh, okay, Let's. well, look, let's start with those books. Let's start with, um, which one do you want to start
1: with first? Well, why don't we go with Reminiscences of a Stock Operator? Okay, let's go that, there. Because that, uh, that is over 100 years old. That's, uh, I, I believe, if I, if I have that right, I need to... Uh, brush up on my facts Wait, here. who lent
0: you that book? This was Spencer. Okay, so Spencer, you should know this answer right off of me.
5: Uh, I, I thought it was uh, early 20s. It was definitely before 1929, uh, but it could have been the 19-teens. It, it's approximately 100 years old. Um, yeah, and it's, a, it's, it's not a biography. It's a work of fiction, but it really is a biography. Of, who who of, wrote of, this? Of is the author this
1: on book. this one? This is Jesse... Um, is Edwin LeFevre but he is he is sort of the biographer the unofficial biographer of Jesse Livermore who is this great speculator of the of the of the pre-crash era and it was it was almost it, um well, you know this better than me, Spencer. But it was kind of a, uh, it, it was like a lightly fictionalized version of of, right, of his right. life. It's Larry Livingston in the book. Yeah, Larry Livingston, yeah. right? And and it's written sort of in first person. And it's like sort of he's dispensing these, uh, these lessons he's learned from from the markets, just about how how markets ebb and flow with emotion, and 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 how you can kind of push markets around, um, and a, a, and really just kind of uh, what you can do to kind of speculate. Uh, yeah. But we, we heard, yeah. I, I think we heard when you were mentioning that book at the top,
3: uh, Jason maybe booing? Was yeah, that Jason Boo? Jason booed.
2: <laughs> uh, yes, you did. Um, you know, let, let me just uh, share a few quick thoughts. I mean, yeah, I think the book came, as I recall, the book came out in 1923, uh, in the early 20s, just as the roaring 20s bull market was kind of hitting high gear. Um, the author, Edwin Lefebvre was a longtime journalist and also a uh, uh, published novelist. And I think the technical term for this sort of book is a romana clef or mm. the more French way of saying it, I guess, oh, ma, okay. and um, it's a lightly fictionalized biography of uh, Jesse Livermore, who was a... Uh, the boy plunger, he was sometimes called, who was sort of this wild, crazy speculator who traded constantly back and forth and went bankrupt uh, or at least got wiped out numerous times before, in the end, if I recall right, uh, he um, shot himself uh, in the men's room at the Sherry Netherland Hotel, I believe, um, in the late. 1920s, after he went bust. Uh, The reason I don't like this book is because um, it is very well written. It is really seductive. And I think um, while it probably has a lot to teach traders, I think for investors, it's kind of toxic.
5: Wow, well, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to b- jump push in back, with the uh, going push back uh this is Spencer. We fight on um, this book club. I mean I so <laughs> I, I guess I might be the only person uh in, in this discussion although correct me if I'm wrong you know who who worked um in in the financial world worked at a, at an investment bank and on a on a trading floor and if you were to walk around guys you know older guys experienced guys on a on a trading floor and ask them like well what books do you must one read um uh, you know a about finance. I would say that the two books that one hears most often are Liar's Poker, the Michael Lewis account of the uh, Solomon Brothers Bond Trading Desk in the 80s, and, and this book, this, these are the two most read books. Does that mean that they are most conducive to your, uh, your your career success or your success as an investor? No, I agree with Jason on that. I mean, one should not um, be uh, try to, to emulate uh, Louis Renieri or uh, or Larry the fictional Larry Livingston, right? But they are extremely entertaining books, both of them, and uh, they really make they kind of romanticize Wall Street, and, and, and which is so bland and corporate and institutional now. So that that's. Why I love them. And there's a lot of wisdom in, especially in in uh, reminiscences. I think, but just about human nature. You know, even if, you know, hopefully you won't apply it to trying to to corner the market in some you know some commodity. <laughs> but it, it is, you know, th- there's a lot of of truth uh, there. You know, and the guy has show does show humility, the character uh, as well. And you know, you, and you see him go bust uh, in the in the book, and he did. Yeah, he did yeah, go I mean, bust a few times in his life. Of course. Yeah,
1: well, I, I would the agree last that uh... almost was
0: pretty final. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, I mean it, he doesn't really make his life sound all that glamorous. Um, he sort of, I feel like his his personality is such that he seems kind of obsessed with the markets. He, there's all these stories that he, where he starts where he's like on vacation and he was enjoying himself. And then he saw that this thing was happening in the market and he was like sort of forced back to... To the trading floor to go to go make a trade it wasn 't like his life seemed like, like, like oh he w- he was living the high life and, and, and therefore everyone should go do what he did. yeah I know. was going to say I,
5: I have a, I have a friend who I met through finance you know who was like a modern day version of this guy who grew up just dirt 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 poor you know and made a fortune blew up speculating made a fortune blew up speculating and now is on his third fortune you know was wealthier than all of us times 10 combined you know i mean you know it's a it's a it takes a certain type of, of personality you know i've been on vacation with him where he's sort of been speculating in currency futures and stuff just because and then lost money and said i shouldn't have been doing that you know because i was on a boat and couldn't really watch the market like right. yeah i know <laughs> you know but i mean it's it takes a certain type it's 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 fun to to be at least observe people like that and read about them
0: let's uh let's take a break there um because we have to we are going to come back after this important message with a lot more on the book front if your business needs a new application then developers will have to write code a lot of code if an application needs to be modernized then you'll need time resources and caffeine
3: Hi, this is Paul Gigo, host of the Potomac Watch podcast. Join me and my colleagues every week as we dissect all of the latest happenings in Washington. Check us out at wsj.com podcasts and become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Google Play Music
0: app.
1: WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now. Back to the
0: show. Welcome back to the Money Beat Podcast, the inaugural Book Club Money Beat Podcast. And for more great podcasts from the Wall Street Journal, you can check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. Uh, yes, yes, Stephen Grosser? I not Interrupting I, me. Well I'm, I'm my, once my, again my I'm, my, I'm, my plug I'm for not, the podcast no, network. No, 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 I wasn't
3: I wasn't trying to destroying interrupt.
0: destroying the, the plug for
3: the I, podcast network. You should do that. Keep go keep going. Okay. Power through, Paul. You think I should power through? Yeah, yeah. Okay. You shouldn't
0: be so easily distracted. You're a That's prop. true. I shouldn't. Be. No, I'm, I'm, well, I'm very ADD. Uh, hey, you can follow us on Twitter. We are at WSJ Podcasts. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and now your Google Play Music app. And I think we're also on the Amazon Echo. You can find us there. So we are pretty much everywhere you need to find us. And uh, yes, Stephen Grosser, can well, I you, help you? Uh, you delivered that like a pro. I apologize <laughs>
3: Interrupt you? No, I just wanted to bring in Aaron at this point because you know he wants to talk about where are all the customers yachts, but not but but, <laughs> but, I want is, but, to use but the
4: right but. title. Okay, <laughs> where are the
3: customers yachts, Ben? Geez. Anyways, I want, but the reason I want to bring in Aaron to talk about this is not only has he read the book, which you know is important <laughs> to this discussion, but he is also an Olympic or close to an Olympic yeah. yachter himself. get
4: like grandiose. Wait, here. seriously? I have, yes! I have Wait, what? I been on the same race course with an Olympic uh, yachtsman. How about that?
3: Were, 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 you, where were you? I've seen the what? back
4: end of numerous Olympic yachts. 1996. Yachtsmen, <laughs> yachtsmen, 1996. Was it the 96 Olympics? I would have. Uh, I, the, the cycle I did was after the 96 Olympics. So 2000? So I did some international sailing competition, yachting, as they say, um, in the post-96 uh, Wow. Olympic All right. Program. Well, it was
0: on the brown yacht teams. So, so you're an expert in yachting and markets, and you recommend the book yeah, where where Are the, the, the customers, customers yachts? yachts.
4: Yes, um, uh, this one was published in t- in, uh, in uh, 1901, according to the 2000 edition I have, and I'm not plugging this just because Jason Zweig wrote the uh, introduction. Or the large pull quote from Jason on the front cover of the edition I have. <laughs> so there
0: won't be any booing uh, from the staycationer on this one.
4: Um, according to a reputable source here, it will provoke you, teach you, and crack you up all at once. I, a wise man said that. Wow. Um, uh,
0: all right, talk about this one a little Well,
4: bit. this one attracted my attention because I was told it was hilarious, and uh, I think that is fair. Uh, it contains uh, many bon mots and... Uh, um, Just stuff that you would think uh, maybe had not survived the 115 odd years it took to get here, uh, but that seems just as true. Uh, today, there's a discussion, for example, of uh, how the fund managers determine, um, like, what money to distribute to their clients, and it consists of throwing the money in the air, and anything that sticks to the ceiling, um, it goes to the customers. Um, there's hmm. a discussion of short selling that says that in you know the, uh, nobody objects to short sellers in uh, when times are good, except their own families who object to starvation. Um, there's just a great series of sort of hilarious. Uh, analyses of the Wall Street industries uh, that uh, I think are just as relevant, it seems like, today. Well, that's
0: amazing to me. You guys are talking about books that are, you know, rather old, different eras. I mean, pre-computer, pre-television, pre-radio. I mean, there are still relevant lessons to pull out of both these books for the modern uh, for investor yachts, trader. Yachts for, for sure. You know? yachts, yeah. is,
5: yachts is very relevant to people. I think it might not, might not be 1901 actually, uh, but I'm not sure. But I think it's about 75 I, years I, yeah. ago. it was yeah. Published. It was, uh, why, but, why don't we ask the guy was, who wrote the forward? Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah I mean, this is uh, I. I just I cannot overemphasize how good this book is. I mean, I you can do a parlor trick with this book because I've done it, actually. You can walk into a room like a cafeteria or, you know, a living room, and you can open the book at random and start reading out loud from it, and people will stop what they're doing and listen to you. Not because you're a weirdo reading out loud from a book in a cafeteria, (laughs) but because it is so good. It is amazingly well-written, and Hysterically funny, and um, uh, no less an authority than Warren Buffett uh, has called it the best written book on investing ever done. And it's my praise, it is. Yeah, it is that well written, and and every sentence is is just like perfection. It's so good.
1: I mean, it's interesting. Uh, th- these two books—they're—they're. They're, um, uh, the first one is written sort of before the financial or the 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 Great Depression and the Great Financial Collapse. Then, and one is written sort of after, and it's interesting to see just like the 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 difference in the tones. Uh, the book about Jesse Livermore was very much like uh uh, it's true it sort of it sort of hyped up some of the things that uh speculators did whereas this was this is really it takes a very critical look at at, at Wall Street and it I mean it's just interesting to kind of observe from afar how public perception towards Wall Street changed between these they two both, books.
0: They were both pre Great Depression.
1: No, mm-hmm. I think uh the other one is is post, yeah. Reminiscence is
0: uh. if Reminiscence is Reminiscence is that 1923 that's before the Great Depression, yeah, right?
5: Yeah. But the other one is is as post. Oh, I think. the yachts is the yachts is post. Yes, yeah. 1940. Oh, nineteen forty. 1940. Oh,
0: 1940. oh you said nineteen oh one.
4: That was my fault. It's oh, the, the or you said nineteen oh one. the Congress citation.
0: I read. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm getting mixed up. Ben, you were doing great job. I'm sorry to interrupt <laughs> you.
1: Well, well, just to get to like the grand reveal of my idea here with these two books. I mean. Uh, you know the, the the whole public perception of Wall Street just seemed to have pivoted uh, between one book and the next book, and I mean, looking at the financial crisis that happened, you know, almost ten years ago, now it's I mean, you sort of see the same thing happen, um, and it's just yeah. these waves, these cycles of, of 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 changing perceptions of Wall Street. Um, you know it, 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 people say that like the financial crisis that we just had was like unprecedented but in many ways it kind of echo there's lots of echoes of the past in it was my sort of thought there that was so worth six months of your life. <laughs> I had six months that to think was about very, it. Ben, that was very well done. <laughs> right.
0: That was really good. That right. was so. Yeah. We should not have put you off for six months on this. I, I also Grosser, yacht, we made a mistake. Yeah. But Yachts, not, mistake. not only is
5: it is it really a, worth a read, it's very funny, uh, but it's very, very relevant. So, reminiscences is just entertainment. Yachts is relevant to a pers- person investing their retirement fund today, right? It, hmm. it sort of tells you you know basically how you're being suckered how you're being suckered then and it hasn't changed very much you know uh, right, talk a lot
1: yet. of. Sorry, go ahead. It hasn't yes. changed at all. Yeah, <laughs> wow. I, I, I think one thing that changed, and and he, I think he updated this a little bit in his like 1950 version of the book versus 1940, is he sort of made this prediction that mutual funds weren't going to take off. Uh, they were called something else at the time. I'm not sure exactly. Trust it, investment and was, trust, care, right? Totally, yeah. and, but th- but they had in the meantime, and and by 1950 he sort of retracted that, um, which was interesting, and and. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah we... he ate a little. He ate a little crumb. <laughs> Hey, let's uh,
0: let's talk about another one that another book that Spencer mentioned earlier, and I think it probably falls into this group of of well, you know must reads, whatever. Which is Liar's Poker, mm-hmm. the the Michael Lewis book. I think have we all read Have we all read Liar's Poker? I, I here? hope yeah. so. Well, I hope so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We've all read Liar's Poker. Uh, yeah. let, let's let's talk about that one a little bit. Where does that fit into this sort of uh, pantheon of great books about the market?
5: I, I I think it, it's so funny because I read an interview with Michael Lewis who said that he gets, you know, after the book came out, you know, he wrote it as a kind of a critique and he got all these messages from people, how do I get a job on Solomon? How do I get a job on Wall Street? This is great. And sort of, and I mean, I, I so I've got three sons. We went up skiing, and we played it. It's not a very long book, and we played it as a book on tape on the way up and down. I was going to finish the whole book, and my my kids thought it was great. And they're like, "Man, I that's what I want to do," you know? <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. They thought it was they thought it was hilarious. They thought it was the the best thing ever. I mean, yeah. you know, and I think it it did a lot to sort of you know. But it, it is a very very funny book, and you know, I mean. Similarly, it mixes the funny with the
4: serious. I mean, the, the sort of behavior outlined is uh, hilarious and, and somewhat shocking when it came out, though probably less so now. Um, but these guys used to, you know, they used to have these feasts on Fridays where they'd order 50-gallon tubs of guacamole and stuff <laughs> like that. It's mixed in with some real insight into how the bond market operates right. and operated and operates now.
3: But he also captures, uh, you know, a period of the real takeoff, yeah. too, in bond training. You know, when bond training went from being the sleepy sort of corner of the Wall Street trading floor to being, you know, this huge business. Right. And, he, and he captures it. And, and, and very few people spin a tale like Michael Lewis. Um, and, he, and he just captured, I think, that period perfectly.
0: Yeah, the guy is a really uh, – he's a natural writer. He's a very good writer. And you know the other thing I think is interesting so the book came out in 89 and it you know he worked at he worked on so- he worked at Solomon mm-hmm. on and so it it comes out and he kind of you know portrays this life this 1980s life which is you know the movie Wall Street kind of gets there you know for, in popular culture at least um but the the company he worked for Solomon is no longer yeah. I, it collapsed after the book was published
1: and he kind of gets at like the demise of of Solomon Brothers right. because he kinda of paints Solomon Brothers as like this was the beginning of the end. It was like these these guys who built up this firm sort of being very like scrappy kind of guys and scrappy traders and then it sort of elevated its ambitions such that, you know, it, the, the firm wanted to bring in all these Ivy League educated people and and all these sort of uh, you know more traditional hires that you would think and that that kind of became the demise of the firm which was sort of an interesting element. Right, and
5: it? it shows you how Wall Street has changed socially too. I mean, when I began working, there were a lot of older guys who could have I mean they could have been like uh, in the mafia instead of you know being on that trading floor <laughs> pretty much. I mean, you know, and you don't get any anyone like that anymore. Everyone went to Dartmouth or something, right? I mean, or Princeton. I mean, R-F-I-T. that's how you yeah. Right Mm-hmm. or MIT more more recently?
0: Yeah, the street. I mean, you know, well, I mean, the, the I mafia mean, may be no, going a little Solomon, far, but, but, but the, the street was what? the point. Is the street, the street was very much blue collar working class.
5: But, but a but lot all, of it was yeah. like parts of parts of the the part that that began to make a lot of money in the eighties. That they, they were like the they were not the the big money makers until you know the the boom in bonds and, and stocks yeah, of the eighties. You and, know, and, but, and, but then they but, but then yeah. they were the the key. They, they made all the money.
3: But what that. I would like to get the point is like. Solomon is actually where that started to change, where computers started playing a much more, greater role in Wall Street. I mean, you know, Michael Bloomberg and the guys that started uh, long-term you know, capital, capital management, management yeah. they were from Solomon. And, the, you know, so yeah. like, Solomon was actually, at that point in the 80s that you know, he's talking about, was really at the forefront of that also changing culture of Wall Street.
1: Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you, you had, like, Louis Ranieri, the guy who sort of made exactly. mortgage bonds, you know, what they were. And he's, like, this, he's described as just this, like, this fat guy who, like, just, right, eats tubs of food. And he's, like, very tribal in that, like, he has his guys and he protects them. And, like, he doesn't like the government bond traders who are, like, you know, they're the guys who do triathlons on the weekend. And it's, uh, uh, you know, as forward-thinking as it was, it was also, like, like, you know— has very old school elements to it. it,
4: it I, I mean, one thing I couldn't get over as a reporter reading that book is just how lucky Michael Lewis got with all, like, both, like, where he was sitting. Uh, you know, sitting near Louis Renery, watching this right. stuff happen at this key moment in time, talking about mortgage bonds. Like, there's a subject that never came up again, fortunately. <laughs> An art history <laughs> major from uh, Princeton. Right. And then happens to be sitting next to John Goodfriend uh, during the crash, uh, like, sitting next to the right. guy while the markets are down. T-
0: <laughs> but, you know, I mean, credit to him, somebody who was not, who did not have his eye, who wasn't as, as good a natural oh, writer right right as him, have would have sat in that same in seat and, and just missed it.
4: Yeah. I know it's just it's just the incredible yeah. uh yeah, yeah.
5: And I, 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 I've read I've read 10 books since then that tried to be the next Liar's Poker right I mean the guys weren't didn't have the access didn't have as interesting a story to tell and right. didn't tell and it nearly it, yeah. as well I mean like it, there's so many people have tried and failed to, to you capture know, that yeah, I
3: mean Michael Lewis it was really good I mean you just go through his list of books from you know Moneyball to the Big Short I mean he has an unprecedented skill of sort of capturing the moment and telling the tale in a very accessible way mm-hmm. yeah.
4: um, I, I say this as a fan but uh, my hot take on this is that he maybe never has written a better book including the ones that became huge movies and
0: success like yeah. mean I, Van Liar's poker yeah, well Van I mean
1: Lyer's Lyer's like Lyer. that the amount of access he had to the first book it was like there's no way anyone was going to grant him that amount of access ever again because <laughs> right. like look what he did with it he turned it into the, like the most beautifully written tale ever so <laughs> uh
0: hey Jason's why we haven't we, we've kind of lost you there and I feel bad because you know you're 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 lying to your wife about not doing any work this week. Uh, yeah, what do you make of Liars Poker?
2: Oh, I I, I agree. I think it's a terrific book, um, and um, and I guess circling back to what Spencer was saying earlier, I I would much prefer people read Liars Poker than Reminiscence <laughs> <laughs> because I I think it I think it 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 much more clearly works as of pure, uh, I was going to say entertainment, but it's probably better to say infotainment. I mean, it's hmm. it's full of information about how Wall Street works, right. um, but it has that it has that wonderful um, sense of ironic detachment, and you you can constantly sense Michael Lewis's eyes popping out of his head as he's saying to to himself, "Can you believe this?" is this really what they're doing. Did they really just say that? Right. Whereas um, Reminiscences kind of hooks you into um, sort of the madness between that guy's ears. And um, I always worry that people are going to try to emulate um, this crazy trader, rather than sort of seeing the craziness in it Um, The way Lewis does. I mean, it's just "Liar's Poker" is it is just a terrific book, and it's so much fun to read.
0: Let's uh, let's let's do this now. Let's get one other sort of recommendation from everybody. Well, I got oh oh, no, yeah, it's good. I'm sorry. I was gonna go. I was I was thinking about this, so I sort
3: of have four. Recommendations? You have four? Yeah. Okay. Because I was preparing for this and thinking about this for six months. I mean, and I came up with four books. <laughs> okay. I'm very well read. Okay. Yes, you are. Yes, you're good. Um, no. I, like, when I was starting out in, like, financial journalism, um, you know, I started out much more on the M&A, Wall Street, investment banking side, and I think there were, like, basically three books... Um, you know that I read that I thought were really important, and they 're the obvious ones. I think everyone probably has them you know on their bookshelf it 's barbarians at the gate predator 's ball. And mm-hmm. uh, Den of Thieves. And great,
5: great book. All, oh, all three oh, yeah, are great. Yeah. And, and they really Den of capture. I mean, because
3: Wall Street is, I mean, first of all, what's amazing is how many of those, the players in those books you still come across mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in some ways, or, you know, the impact that the firms had and where the, what happened with the firms or what happened with the deal. I mean, the RJR Nabisco deal. I mean, it's still. Like Barbarians <laughs> at the gate. Yeah, it's yeah. still unfolding. I mean, the, you say every, it's amazing to I mean, we were writing about a deal, and we'll reference it. And it was still, until 2007, the biggest leverage buyout. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, these these books really talked about big things that, you know, you could reference. But... um, they also got into sort of the, the whole notion of Wall Street, which is, you know, the greed, the power, the, you know, the internal like behind the scenes fight, whether it's for the company or control of a firm. Um, and that's where I wanted to get into my, the other one. It's a Kenneth letter wrote the book about the First fall of Lehman, which happened, what, twenty-five years prior to um, the, fin- the you know the financial crisis, um, and, and he gets into the battle between Louis Glucksmann. Well, what and, book
0: is that? Name of it?
3: Uh, it's greed and what is it? Um, greed and glory on Wall Street. And it really gets into the fight between Pete Peterson, who went on to Blackstone, Steve Schwartzman, who founded Blackstone mm-hmm. with Pete Peterson, who was part of the investment banking side of Lehman, and then there was a the struggle with the trading side that was led by Louis Glucksmann, and this le- and this le- led to Lehman being you know eventually bought by American Express in the '80s. But like it, just some of the detail in that book is really great if you want like the internal politics and fight yeah. um, for a heart of a uh, you know one of these investment banks.
0: Thanks. You know, one thing I think is interesting is is folks won't know this until I tell them or I'm about to tell them, is that this, this the Money Beat podcast, book club podcast, sparked a, a little bit of a war in the newsroom <laughs> between Grocer and Kurloff over – uh, w- 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 what happened with you guys in War and Peace?
4: <laughs> I'm still not sure. <laughs> I made the case that War and Peace is a book that has everything, both war and peace. <laughs> and then for how some- is <laughs> peace <laughs> exciting? I just
3: don't understand
4: that. I mean, you know. Um, I, I will now throw this to Jason, who's reading uh, what I what I now describe as the top Russian novel, which is Life and Fate. Um, and uh which is an account of the battle of stalingrad really um that uh that that is uh, also has everything uh, both war and peace
3: I, I i'm a little bit scarred <laughs> by um war and peace you're scarred
0: by tolstoy and my, war my
3: senior year in college um, my, you have to read a you know, you'd like, you'd, you did these master's thesis where I went to school, and you had to read one book and write a 70-page, 50- to 70-page paper on it. And I'm hoping, like, as most, I think, seniors in college, I'm going to coast my senior spring, you know, just easy, easy, right. easy. And uh, I walked in, and the professor's Oof. like, No. I want you to read War and Peace. Your senior year. <laughs> and, and that meant, your like, spring
0: semester and, uh, of your and, senior and, year. And, and you can't get away
3: with not reading about reading the book either, too, because you have to meet one-on-one for 45 minutes every week with your professor. So there's no BSing that. I mean, like, wow. so you. it was, I'm, I'm, I was scarred by it. No, it is a great book. There's I don't a, disagree I with that. I think Aaron. there's a 27 I do think that Anna Karenina is the better Tulsa. It, that, was, book. Wow. that was really
5: the book. What well, can I say? Yeah, if, we're, yeah, please, if we're on the subject of really it. long books that you're supposed to have read, but uh, but probably haven't. I mean, Moby Dick, right, is right up there but you know Herman Melville wrote uh, another book called Bartleby the Scrivener <laughs> a Tale of Wall Street i don't Isn't know if that, you've ever read that a that's shorter. a much Isn't much a shorter, shorter i would prefer uh, yeah. that read that oh nice i <laughs> i thought it's it's beautifully written and uh, kind of funny in a eight you know uh, 19th century kind of way you know but uh, just throwing just throwing that out there
0: yeah uh jason's what are some other good books for investors and would be investors and traders and street denizens
2: well, I think the book I would most uh, throw the plug in for would be *The Money Game* by Adam Smith. That's oh, yeah. um, that's a pseudonym, de Plume, for um, uh, Jerry Goodman. Um, this book came out in 1968. Um, it is it is so good. Um, it's again, it's one of Warren Buffett's favorite books, and um, it it gives us actually a bunch of common phrases that people use that that um Jerry Goodman came up with himself i mean one classic example is uh, the stock doesn't know you own it uh, hmm. which is, which is his original line and it it just explains so much i mean people like you know it's just like when somebody's in, somebody uh is bowling and you know they let go of the ball and it's rolling down the lane heading for the pins and the person is like waving at it trying to get it to go and hit the middle pin i mean that's how people think about some stock they just bought and his line just cuts that right out from under you it's like the stock doesn't know you own it yeah um and another uh another of his classic lines is um uh if you don't know who you are this is an expensive place to find out.
0: <laughs> and and That's a really good line.
2: It's it is so true. Yeah. And um it's yeah, I really think uh that's a book that people just have to read. It's so good. It's a little you know, it's it's a little literary. It's um uh, it's not as fast paced as, you know, Michael Lewis or yeah. or Fred Schwade. Um, but it is well worth the time. And, you know, again, a, an endorsement from Warren Buffett is not to be right. eased at. Uh,
0: a couple I would mention. We don't have to have any commentary on them but because we're we're running up in the got to get out of here. But uh, I would mention just a couple that are really good. The Prize by Daniel Yergin. Mm-hmm. The Power of Gold by Peter Bernstein. And two that are more recent and two that we have had, we have hosted the authors on the Money Beat podcast, you might recall, The End of Alchemy by Mervyn King, former Bank of England governor, and Treconomics by Manu Sadia. If you're a Star Trek nerd, that is, that's a must read.
1: So I... One, one more I'd quickly throw out there, which is uh, The Big Short, another Michael Lewis classic that probably most people out there have either read or seen the movie, but right. uh, it's definitely a good one that explains the time periods we live in pretty well.
5: Okay. I'll, I'll throw in really quick. John Brooks, who uh, was a great financial writer, oh, yeah. uh, two, two very good books called Once in Golconda uh, about scandal in Wall Street in the 20s and 30s and The Go-Go Years, which is about the 60s, uh, the kind hmm. of the crazy, crazy stuff that went on then. All right. Excellent choices.
0: Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you all. Uh, everyone, I want to thank you all for listening. I hope you're still there. I know we ran on a little bit long, but, but hopefully you got a lot of good. We'll come back in six months when we yeah, do uh... Come back and say, no, maybe we'll do this. With ben Ison, this was a good idea. I liked it. Maybe we'll thank do it. Thank you. After six that. months, you finally acknowledged. I finally <laughs> acknowledged that you had a good idea. Uh, everyone, thank you for listening. You'll probably hear from us again before the holiday, too. So we'll catch up with you very soon. Thanks.
2: WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.
0: The Claude 3 model family by Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. Haiku is lightning fast and cost-effective, Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Learn more at anthropic.com/claude.